Welcome one and all, I'm Chris Stone, the Virtual Agile Coach, and this is the Virtually Agile Podcast, the pod that shares conversations with Agile thought leaders, as well as amplifying newer voices. You'll hear about agility, virtual working, and everything in between. If you find value in listening, don't forget to follow or subscribe on your platform of choice. It is the very best way to hear about the latest episodes as they land. Enjoy the show. Okay, so fellow Agilists, welcome to season two and the latest installment of the Virtually Agile Videocast. This series shares conversations with Agile thought leaders as well as amplifying newer voices, and today's guest is one of those newer voices. I was first introduced to Jess after I'd shared a bit of content on Reddit, I believe. Not my usual format for sharing things, but I was experimenting, and I think I chucked out one of my Agile games. It was a spooky Halloween scene, a game about outcomes versus outputs, and, and Jess then reached out as a consequence, and we've been liaising back and forth a little bit ever since. So I'm I'm delighted to welcome Jess Brock to the show. Jess is a, a fellow Agile coach, a curator of Agile curators, and I believe recently Vice President of Consulting at Agility and Minds. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you. Yeah, guilty on all charges there. And I am chuckling because I forgot that we met on Reddit, which I think is so beautiful and random. I love that so much. Thanks yeah. for having me today. Not a problem. So first and foremost, how, how are you today? How are things in Jess's world? Times, if I do recall, I did see um, kind of a, a virtual agility in mind opening event where you're like cutting a, a bit of a ribbon style <laughs> grand opening thing. Liked it. to start just by asking you and learning a little more a little bit more about about yourself about you about your your journey with agility i understand from our previous liaisons our three previous conversations that you weren't always quite sold on agile so tell me all about that Money and it, it, there's, this doesn't work. 
journey and probably one that I would say many uh, similar people in the industry have, have experienced also being being initially reluctant resistant maybe not knowing any otherwise and therefore not understanding what the art of the possible was trying that first experiment seeing the the benefits on morale on stakeholder engagement the results being delivered and then wow this new I, I don't feel like I can go back anymore yeah and I think even to this day I'm a very 
thing. It's just so when we were talking in theory about agility and visualizing work and boards, I'm like, just make the stop list work. Let's just produce, produce, and get results. I wasn't seeing the results, and I think that's what drove my skepticism. But when we had that moment with that stakeholder on the first shot was in love with the MVP, and we continue to build off that. That with those were the results. That was the proof I needed personally to say, now I get it. To that, to that exact same sentiment, I am quoting Elvis all the time, and I say, a little less conversation, a little more action. Right? To, quote, to quote one of his famous songs, always saying that. And it, to me, it's, it's that bias towards action. Try something. It doesn't have to be perfect. Try it. See what happens. Learn accordingly. Pivot towards something else. Just try. Experiment. And so what I love about agility, and, and particularly how it's moving in, in 2021, and there's a huge focus towards it being this experimentative approach. It doesn't have to be a gold-plated solution. It doesn't have to be some ideal, perfect framework. Try and experiment, learn accordingly, see how it goes. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and if you don't, um, you know, you see what, you know, that <laughs> I just, uh, I think it was, a, yeah, Simon said a couple of weeks ago, I watched one of his clips again, he was talking about how you know, uh, the taxi industry failed to do what you just said, you know, try to innovate, grow, experiment. And they're like, nope, it's always worked this way. We're going to continue to have our yellow cups and go about our ways. It is what it is. And then, you know, Uber, Lyft, all of them came, adopted technology, new ways of working, and you kind of, you know, how the rest of that story goes. Well, yeah, it's the same with lots of companies, right? I think Blockbuster. Blockbuster dominated the, the 80s and 90s with their, their model for enabling people to access entertainment. And then Netflix came along, and Netflix were originally this subscription model where you, you paid a service. And I remember walking through town centers and, and random salespeople coming up to me and saying, hey, you want to get involved in Netflix? What you do is you sign up here and we'll send you DVDs through the post. And I was like, no, no, I'm not interested. No, why, why would I do that? But then they evolved into obviously streaming online and then that's the de facto method. And they got in there early. They got the infrastructure set up and now they're so the leader in that, in that market. Right. And they inspired so many other streaming services too. Mm -hmm. They think about Disney Plus and and I have a daughter who's seven, and I don't know where I would be without Disney Plus right now. You know, Amazon Prime, and et cetera, et cetera. It's pretty, it's pretty extraordinary. And the funny thing is, is I think this is true. I might need to fact check, but I want to see Netflix reach out to Blockbuster early on and said, hey, this is a thing. Would you, you know, you're established. Would you like to partner? And it was a big fat no. Yeah. And, uh, see how that panned out. So, do I don't even know if there's a blockbuster that exists anymore. Really. Uh, I think there might be one. Uh, I do remember a few years ago seeing like an empty one in the UK and it, it, it gave me nostalgic moments, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every Friday night going to, to, to get a video and it's popcorn. The good old days of having to rewind videotapes afterwards. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, so talk to me about Agile Curated. This is another endeavor of yours. What's what's Agile Curated? What's it all about? Okay, so that would segue, I think, a little bit into agility, agility in mind as well. I think a lot of it, actually. All right. It's a big reason why I'm even at agility in mind. Um, so, Agile Curated, um, let me walk it back to even broader context. So, 2020, you know, everyone is familiar with what went down in 2020. We were all locked down and socially distanced, yada, yada, yada. Um, the, 
silver lining of that uh, situation is that it provided the opportunity for me to test some hypothesis and some ideas that I've jotted down on what others people, I think I'm a creator at heart, and I'm constantly turn over, you know, turning stones over, a very curious person. So the casual period was one of those thoughts I had, and it just so happened we were visiting family, and my partner was driving, and I thought, well, I have my laptop with me, let's spin this up, this newsletter with like WordPress and MailChimp, very you know, within an hour it was set up. I mean, it's very approachable and easy to, and to, to establish. And uh, started kind of throwing it around my network. What do you think? Um, no, let me let me take a step back. I would rearrange my thoughts. So set it up very easily and, and, uh, during a, a road trip. And the intent was very simple. It was I, as an agile coach uh, and technologist, I do a lot of reading throughout the week. Um, various newsletters, um, websites, all kinds of syndicates and feeds. And if I find something interesting, I usually bookmark it or I'll share it with my colleagues. So I thought, I'm already doing this anyway. Why not share this with the masses? And so uh, that's exactly what I did. It's a very crude, easy, simple uh, newsletter template. Uh, and I just published it weekly. It was just a... a, a you know, a collection of about four or five articles I found interesting. I edit things as, as Agile Curated evolves, like a little comic section. I added my perspective on the articles to add a little bit more depth. Um, and yeah, it actually turned out to be really, really, uh, really good in terms of proving the demand for, you know, content that wasn't just clickbait, right? So some sustenance for Agilists and business people and, uh, anyone who was interested in better ways of working. Uh, and through that, it started getting enough subscribers where I thought, well, maybe this could be uh, an opportunity for sponsorships or partnerships. So I basically cold called Agility in Mind. I was curious uh, about the UK, went over, saw Agility in Mind was pretty steamed over there. Um, found them and went through their general contact form and said, would you care to, you know, work with me with Agile Period? Uh, and they got back to me, to my surprise. Um, and it very much was like, well, I'll sponsor a few. And then start talking a little further. I'm like, well, I'm an actual coach by trade. I'm like, great, let's have anyone as a guest speaker. Um, so went ahead, got that all booked. Things were going well. An hour before that guest speaking engagement, which is like, it's, we call it FAQs Live, uh, frequently actual questions, but a live Q&A with the Agilist. Um, I had learned that my main job at Centene uh, was basically laid off, done, it was over. Uh, me and the rest of the Agilists, we were redundant in, in a series of acquisitions. Uh, and it was about 3,000 people in total that uh, were involved in layoffs. It was pretty, pretty significant for uh, not only myself, my colleagues, and actually the region in St. Louis here. Um, in any case, uh, as you can imagine, uh, 
for those that aren't familiar with LACE, that's the Lean Agile Center of Excellence, right? For the for the non-safe speakers that are listening. Yes, indeed. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, so, I, yeah, so I got that heartbreaking news just an hour before going live, and before we sort of said, okay, we're, we're flipping over to the live audience, as it were, uh, I had told the facilitators, it was Jess Edwards and, and Duncan Evans, I was like, just a second, I just found this out, it's bad news, uh, let's carry on, I need this distraction, you know, show must go on. And so I ended up having the, the, the session, and it was lovely, it was phenomenal, I, I very much enjoyed it, I learned stuff on the spot, we had great dialogue, great collaboration, um, and then uh, when Jess had went back to talk to Jillian Mind about how, you know, just a quick, um, debrief, hey, how'd that session go, how did Jess do, and all this, it would be, she, you know, share the news, she's like, it went well, however, Jess had some bad news, well, one thing led to another, and they said, well, kind of already vetted her to a certain extent, let's have her in for some recruiting, let's see if she's interested in joining the team, so one thing led to another, and now I'm leading the, uh, the U.S. agile coaching practice, so, and, and that business expansion, uh, so, it was, uh, it was pretty extraordinary. I would have never thought in a million years um, I'd be where I was. But really, if you think about it, it's just taking a risk, taking a chance of an agile period and then saying, what the heck? And, and, and it's opened up. Uh, I think it's really connected you and I. It's connected me with other people in my network. It's just been, it's just been really extraordinary. And I, I really like that. I think you described it. Um, in somewhere I read as serendipitous, and I, I've always loved that word, serendipity, those beautiful accidents, that, but I, I, probably less of an accident because you, you created that opportunity by putting yourself out there, taking that risk, and actually I have found myself uh, a similar sort of experience. When I've put myself out there, when I've taken risks, when I've engaged people, attended and given a, a, a talk at a meetup, that's broadened my network so much and it's enabled me to learn and grow myself even further as a, a coach and as a professional. And that was going to lead into my, my next question, question, which is all around continuous learning, improvement, improving yourself. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, is there, is there any particular approach that you use for your continuous learning? Are you, are you, are you a book reader, a podcast listener? Do you absorb other resources? You, you mentioned earlier part of Curated, but you were doing lots of article reading. What's your, what's your go-to approach for learning? content or written content or even videos. Um, so again, yeah, you need to nail the head. I am an article reader. Um, and uh, I follow a lot of the uh, industry MVPs like, uh, you know, Cone, uh, uh, Hitback, anything by Scale Natural. You know, the, the, the ones you probably would expect. Nothing uh, alarming there. I am very... Um, Keen on a newsletter, a couple newsletter newsletters, and uh, one is called Corporate Rebels, and they have they experiment with different ways of working. So that's a great uh, group, and they have a monthly newsletter, uh, and really not even the newsletter, but really doing about keeping up with email uh, marketing. Um, and the daily newsletter that I absolutely cannot live without is the Hustle. That is, it's a better if you've heard of it, um, but it is uh, phenomenal when it comes to. Uh, if you're into technology and new, new and emerging technology and trends, uh, it's uh, 
band this year, Blinkist. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. I've heard of Blinkist, yes. In the spirit of bite size, it's basically um, audiobooks, but the footnotes of audiobooks. So the cliff notes, the, the abridged version that's... Almost, yeah, the curated version, so it's just the, the, the main the main salient points that you might want to learn without all of the blurb and backgrounds. Absolutely. And I swear, I love all these products. I'm not paid to endorse them. I just love that much. So I'll like, get on my, my bike, either, whether it's uh, Zwift indoor riding or uh, outside, and uh, listen to some blinks, as they call it. Um, and really what I've come to find is just interacting with people and doing trainings and exercise and activities. That's really the biggest um, boost and support for my personal learning journey. It's, it's phenomenal. Uh, I learned way more uh, with people and getting, hands, getting my hands on uh, with people and working through their challenges and coaching than I could ever with uh, reading and writing. So. Interesting. I've always loved the, yeah, I think personally the bite-sized content is always an aspiration of mine when I'm producing blog posts or videos, with the exception of these recorded video cast series, I'm aiming for kind of a five minute maximum length for any sort of read or consumption on behalf of that person consuming it, because I want it to be short and sharp, I want, I want it to maintain their attention, not be something they have to scroll through for 70 minutes of video to find the, the main bit they're looking for, so I love that you're, you're, you, you have a similar ethos there, and you know, the Agile Creative was, was born in a similar vein, and the fact that you consume content in that way seems to seems to marry up with a lot of a lot of people I hear as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's just there's just so much content these days. I I, I don't my brain I don't think can process anything more than bite size, so <laughs> just roll them. Nice. Uh, so again on the topic of learning, uh, you're a big believer in, in virtual dojos and I believe you're you're giving a number of talks on maximizing engagement as part of learning dojos. So I'd love to hear more about your virtual dojos and how you maximize engagement of those participating. Yes, yes, so dojos, uh, it's a natural passion topic of mine for sure. So I'm talking, I uh, like to talk, so speaking of bite-sized content, uh, at uh, Agile XP next week, I think it's on Tuesday, so June 15th, and then I'm talking at Agile 2021, and shame on me, I forgot, the, I think the schedule's up, but uh, I forgot the actual time slot. In any case, it's, it's the same talk, just different um, lengths, so the more bite-sized one being next week. But yeah, I got it, um, hooked on dojos with my Centene uh, engagement, and, uh, and let's see, I'm trying to think, two years almost now, um, and that, that equates to about 14 dojos. Okay. And uh, so a lot of experience with a lot of diverse experience, and from a team perspective, I find dojos to be just insanely effective from learning retention to morale building to, um, you know, uh, just kind of making them believe again that, hey, we can innovate, hey, we matter, hey, we're making an impact, and then learning never goes off style. Let's yes, you're an awesome developer, you have all of these uh, credentials, and you've done great things, but there's always room to improve and refine, right? And just for, just for the, the perhaps the listeners who've not come across the concept of a, a learning dojo before, how would you describe it? Obviously, you've mentioned it's a, a place for learning and development, but how would you describe it in a succinct term? Yeah, in simple terms. So, um, it's, I would say, think uh, a set amount of time, usually six weeks, where a coach or a 
they spilled, uh, we're thinking at almost a granular level. So if you're a developer, maybe it's upskilling your refactoring abilities. If you're more on the agile side, a little less technical, or really anyone, because it should be a universal skill, but, you know, improve your story writing competency. Um, and I believe uh, Dojo uh, started over with, uh, you know, it, it, its origins are in martial arts, right? Um, that's where a lot of people kind of see, you know, think of Dojo as the, the little, uh, the little uh, what is it, uh, Patagonia, or I don't know, I'm probably butchering it. <laughs> Different topic. I feel a little off even using the word dojo in terms of cultural appropriateness, but that's a different article I think I'm going to write. At any rate, I do like it for uh, the abilities to, for, for the spirit of, hey, this is a place where we go as a team to really um, get better at our craft, to really focus on, yes, we're still, you know, thinking about delivery, but we're really thinking about our individual skills. The best part about the dojo, in, in my opinion, how it's probably, it, it is better, in my opinion, again, not trying to push agility in my opinion or anyone else's, this is all me, but I feel like there's something to be said about training with your actual backlog, within your context, um, and still being able to learn and provide value right? Um, and that's really the essence of the dojo is that we're going to go and we're going to coach you in, in building your skills, um, but we're going to do it right from your backlog. We're going to come to you in your environment, and that's what, in my opinion, that's what I've seen in the 14 dojos that I've uh, been involved in. That's the key to the retention, right? It's not the hello world examples that we're working with. It's not the theoretical. It's getting down in the trenches, having the coaches work within their, you know, the team's paradigm, feel their pain with them, um, all that stuff, right? So it's really, really strong in, in terms of, um, you know, uh, you know, getting down to the, the core levels. Uh, and, and I, yeah, I, I, I'm circling back, but retention, it's it, it really sustainability. It is, I think it's uh, the, the, the biggest wins I've observed. Thank you for that well-articulated description of dojos there. And what I, I think what, I, what, I, what resonated with me in particular was the phrase you used was feeling, feeling the pain, you know, getting people feeling the pain of how it's like to be on the ground with the teams. It's, it's the reason exactly that when I use gamification techniques, I'm trying to simulate how it feels to be part of a team. So as an example, if uh, I'm trying to teach the concept of technical debt, what it means, how it feels having technical debt. And I've created a game that involves people that aren't directly in the team. I want them to feel how, how frustrating it is when things slow you down that's not that's not in your control, right? or is in your control, but you need the ability to be empowered to prioritize dealing with technical debt. Um, when, when I'm playing games about context switching and you've got uh, a team that's constantly being bothered with all these different priorities coming in at different angles and constant context switching, inability to focus, I want the most senior person in that room to be the person who feels that exactly how it feels when someone's bombarding with them all this information and the consequence of it. So I, I like that these learning dojos obviously have a, have a focus in, in learning and development in, in an increment of time, but also in a way that enables you to feel how it feels, you know, how to, to be there with the team, their experience. Wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, just, you know, again, classroom trainings are phenomenal in terms of building foundation and unity across an organization. Um, but, man, their day has just been remarkable. 
And just from your perspective, you mentioned these talks you're giving. Are there any particular top takeaways that you could distill down around virtual dojos that you'd share with yeah. the listeners today? Absolutely. So dojos are classically extremely co-located. And uh, this is pairing stations and big monitors and think of open space that is, if you think of an agile company, like someone, a, a company that is very progressive and they have board games and balls and Every color fire sparkle you can think of, right? That's usually what uh, that's reminiscent of a dojo space. So when the pandemic hit, it was it was such a blow. I mean, I, I still remember it. Uh, was it over a year ago now? It's like yesterday. This sort of moment I started. I'm like, what are we going to do? How are we? And we were actually in dojo. dojo. We had well, we had two dojos in flight. Actually, come to think of it. And how are we going to function? Because one of the key entrance criteria to a dojo was co-location. So it's like, uh, we're going to have to adapt. And it was really challenging and, and extremely intimidating. But there are ways to uh, make dojos happen. And not just happen, but be oftentimes more effective than co-located dojos. You know, doing it behind the screen. Um, and, and there's a couple tips that I get in, in my talks. I mean, one that comes to mind is uh, don't schedule meetings. And by that, I mean, you'd be, I've never come across a person when we were in a, in a dojo engagement where I could just slack them and say, hey, you got a minute? And that's, and we just pop on a call or reach a chat or whatever it is to connect. Instead of trying to go out, sort calendars, um, when, when someone looks at the calendar, I know this is true about myself, and they see it's completely full, you get, you get anxiety, and then you start attaching do, the dojo engagement to just work, right? And to, oh, okay, here's the obligation, and I'm booked solid, and they, you know, they'll talk about that at home. Um, yeah, I'm booked today, but I mean, if it's just a casual five-minute chit-chat, it goes a long way. Um, so that was something that, that we learned, my colleagues and I, is like, don't, as much as we can, don't book sessions. Uh, it just doesn't happen organically. Um, what's another one, a real quick one? Um, teachbacks are pretty pretty good in the virtual setting, so that's simply, um, so you, maybe you're giving a training, um, say we're teaching story splitting, and you, you go through like my code spider method, and you say, okay, that, okay, let's do, we talked about some examples, we talked about the basics, now, um, I don't know, uh, Susie, how do you feel about teaching this back to the group in your own words? How would you teach this to someone? And that's really cool because I found that it keeps engagement high because, you know, for, first of all, Susie feels very um, dependent on to sort of aid in the success uh, to her colleagues and peers. She wants to do a good job for them. And then they're not hearing my voice all the time, so it's a different, you know, just feeling and, 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 and um, uh, you know, vibe of the entire talk. So it, it does a good job of kind of shutting things back to life if, if things are drifting. Um, so there's little little tips like that that uh, that I'm going to be sharing in my talks. Um, and, and what I love about them is that I really try to provide tips that are approachable and you can try immediately. You can try tomorrow if you wanted to. Similar thing with me, whenever I do a talk, I'm always trying to leave people with actual takeaways, things they can immediately pick up and try or experiment with in the, in the next working day. So thank you for 
thank you for a few tips there. And if anyone wants to learn more about virtual dojos, maximizing engagement, obviously Jess has got a couple of talks coming up. Are there any further resources you'd recommend people look into if they want to learn more about virtual dojos in the meantime? Oh my gosh, um, I'm not quite sure about virtual dojos. Um, or just do dojos as a concept in general. Yeah, um, uh, Dion Stewart and, gosh, I'm losing my words here. I'm going to look that up right now. But, yes, so it's called Creating Your Dojo by Jules Holsey. Uh, and Dion Stewart. That's a, and I can give you that information if you want to add it to, to this uh, video. Sure. Um, yeah, so, so that's a good, if you've never heard of a dojo before, you're very, very new to it, it's a good go-to uh, startup book. Um, if you go to, uh, if you Google Target Dojo, Target, uh, the actual department store, um, they really are credited for pioneering the dojo concept and the app dev you know, business product space, right? Um, so they have a wonderful website that gives you more insights on, on dojos and their particular journey and how they're evolving it. So yeah, I would definitely recommend those two resources. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you for that. Um, yeah. Coming towards the end now, so a couple, of, a couple of final questions for you. We kind of hinted towards it uh, a bit earlier when you mentioned, obviously, we know what happened last year, the pandemic hit. A lot of people had to pivot the way they worked into a, a virtual inclusive environment. So my question to you is, in that time frame, in this past year, you must have learned some, some great tips and great things that you found useful in enabling uh, virtual agile coaching or agility working in remote distributed environments. What would those top tips be? someone random in your team or even outside your team and just go for a talk go for a walk and a talk get yourself away from your desk do that out in nature have a conversation allows you to connect with people because it's this it's kind of simulating some of those water cooler chats you might have had in the uh, in the office the other thing i like to do is i i use my alexa she's going to ping at me now 
Um, I use my Alexa to set me Pomodoros and then 25 minutes of focus, five minutes to just get up, stretch, walk around, away from the desk. Move your eyes away from that screen, give yourself a bit of a mental break. And the other, the other thing I love doing um, is encouraging people to change their Outlook settings if they're using Outlook. There's a very quick, simple tip you can use where you alter your default meeting time to be 25 minutes and 50 minutes rather than a half hour and an hour. And by encouraging people to do that, when they set up a meeting, by default, it always allows gaps between meetings so that people get a comfort break, a, a stretch, whatever that may be, so they don't feel chained to their desks constantly and constantly bouncing from meeting to meeting to meeting. I love that. I love that. I'm a big fan of quarter-hour increments for sure. Because you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I felt that even at the office when I was in person. But if you're just sitting here, literally in the same chair for hours, meeting after meeting back to back, I just that sounds like helps me. It really <laughs> does. And then somehow that that's really really good advice. And it's actually anyone could you know set up their meetings like that. And there's, there's research behind it too. I saw Microsoft release an article recently showing um, brain scans of how people look after uh, a certain number of meetings and other back-to-back -back meetings, and you, over time they become more and more and more and more stressed. So we need to try and do something. And there won't be a one-size-fits-all solution for every company, every every person. But there's there'll be lots of different things that we can all try. And um, as someone in a, a leadership position in my company, I'm always trying to enable and empower people to have those breaks too manage their time and not feel like it's a big block of, of one day and they're stuck to a desk. Final question then, and it's probably my favorite one. So I, I always ask every every guest on my show to add a new retrospective theme to my backlog. I've recently released a, a Dungeons and Dragons retro and an Australian animals retro. I'm currently producing a Pride retro and one based on Jumanji the video, uh, the Jumanji the game. So what would you what would you add to my backlog, Jess? Well, Pride and Jumanji haven't been released yet, so they're, they're not currently in a followable state, but I'm sure you've got some there. <laughs> we'll talk about even from, from an ideation perspective, those are all really good. Well, I mean, selfishly, um, I think biking the retrospective yeah. I will I'll get my uh, yeah get my ideas thinking hat on and uh, I'm thinking some sort of mud guards to protect people I'm, I'm thinking what's your helmet for safety um, I don't know I'll, I'll, I'll go somewhere with this and I'll, I'll create something thank you for adding that to the mad backlog thank you for being a guest on the show in season two of the, of the virtually agile video cast it's been wonderful to have you thanks for sharing your your knowledge your insights it's been an absolute pleasure You've just listened to another episode of the Virtually Agile podcast. Don't forget to check out www.thevirtualagilecoach.co.uk for one of the largest collections of free templates on the web on all things agile. If this show provided value, I'd love your support by following or subscribing on your platform of choice. See you folks next time.